Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the Red Ben TV. It is the main podcast. Uh, I am joined this week by Tom, by Errol, and by Jack. Um, I've got loads to talk about this week, and I'm excited. It's been a while since I've done one of these podcasts. Um, so we're going to get straight into it with our warm-up question. Callum Buck asks, um, you have to start for Liverpool in the Champions League final and play the full 90 minutes with your real-life football ability. However, you're allowed to change one rule of the game to give yourself an advantage over the pros and level the playing field. What is your rule, Jack Gill? Um, my rule would be that every player on the opposition um, can't use, can't touch the ball with any part of their body. Um, that's what I'd bring in. How would how would they then would they have to use you as like a battering ram of sorts? So you're then like the golf club and you're just getting battered around the field. I haven't I haven't worked that out. I've just worked out that that would make me the best player on the pitch. So that, that it's a no brainer. You'd for me. probably be the eleventh best player on the pitch there, Jack. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but, probably but, still. But, Actually, so, yeah. so what's the rule change? Because the, the rule, the, the, can't. so yeah, but the opposite. There's no rules for one team or another, is there? It's either it's a rule for everybody. True. So, so um, while you while you work out your rule change, you want me to move on to Errol? Yeah, Errol, what's your do. rule change, please? So, I, well, I've kind of got the whole scenario in, in my head played out right now. So it's 90 minutes in a Champions League final. If it's on my current ability, I'm placing myself. I'm not in this position normally or in any way, shape or form, but I'm placing myself next to Virgil van Dijk in centre defence. Because okay. if Virg talks me through 90 minutes of the game, we're bagging us the seventh Champions League as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so this is how it runs out. The opposition, if the rules have got to change for everybody, the people that are shooting can only shoot with their weak foot. So provided the competition up front, their, their target man, whoever can only shoot with his weak foot, I reckon I've still got a good chance of seeing him off with my current ability. Um, if what does that do to Mo Salah, though? Um, it, as I say, it, it depends, to be honest. It might not make a big difference to him. Have you seen him kick a ball life. with his right foot, Errol? 
Well, he slices them more often than he gets them on target, but that's not the point. We've still got Mane, we've still got other players that can hit them with the head and stuff like that. So, as far as I'm concerned, I think that that's a good leveler. So, say if we're playing, say if we're playing against, um, let's just say Chelsea. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they they still have strikers who can score with the heads in the weak foot. Oh yeah, they do. But I'm just saying, if you've got it's a team game, so it's a 90 minute thing. So I'm hoping that collectively the Liverpool players are still on job. If they're still on job and I'm next to Virgil van Dijk, he's going to talk me through a lot of the things that are going to happen. I'm hoping that there's not that many chances that the other team get to breach our back line and get a shot in on target. In the event that they do, though, you've got to take it with the weak foot and I'm backing myself. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to see you go up against a fucking extra, a professional footballer with the speed of Mo Salah and you think that him playing it shooting just with his left foot is going to do it like you know what I mean his weak foot I mean the fact of the matter is they're going to rinse you lad they're going to kick it over the top he probably will rinse me on on more than one occasion in the match but getting the chance to score and getting a pass that back line I don't think that's happening any day anytime soon especially if Virgil van Dijk is talking me through the whole game that's what I'm leaning on in a lot of this Tom what are you going for mate Uh, no physical contact at all so just fucking project restart well, well, pretty much, but but like I'm talking, they can't touch you on the arm, you know what okay. I mean? So I'm going to be centre forward, because, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm not playing centre half with them rules, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to bait them into touching me on the arm <laughs> and get loads of penalties, and then we'll win. It's just going to be penalty. You don't get a card, by the way, if you touch someone, so it's, it, it's, it's just a foul, no card. Because that would be stupid, you know what I mean? That, that just ruins the rule. And but if any physical contact whatsoever, and yes, that could that could hamper us at the back. But you know what I mean? If if I have to play, there's no way that if physical contact's allowed, I'm just gonna get thrown on the floor every single time, no matter what I do, no matter what position. So yeah, I figure just bait people into giving me penalties. Okay, Jack, have you figured yours out yet, mate? Yeah, I've. It's either. Get rid of the offside rule and, and just stand up front and, and get them to punt the ball up to me. And nice. I, I play them myself. But they can use the that against us as well, though. Yeah, that's the thing. So if if it would be that, then I'd, I'd play in my natural position of, of left back because I'm, I'm usually the worst player on the pitch. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd full back or are you an old school full back? I, I, I'm, I'm a new breed of full back, really. I just like to run a lot. I can I can pass the ball all right, and I like to run. So so there you go. Um, but maybe a netball sort of rule where you can only take three steps or something with with the ball at your feet, and therefore it's it's difficult for an attacker to beat me. That one might be all right for me, you know, because that would stop me running for ninety minutes. I think I think I'm going to change the rule of how to score a goal for me. So. For everybody else, the ball has to cross the line. For me, I just have to complete a pass. <laughs> and, and then I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to gather a lot of attention here. So, you know, there'll probably be like 11 players around me. But because I've just changed the rule for me, they can't do that because otherwise there'd be 11 players around me. I'd be stood by the like halfway line and then my team would go and score. Yeah. Would they have a player that only got goals from passing though? Because... No, because I was specific with my rule change. 
So your rule change just affects you specifically, yeah? Doesn't affect yeah. anybody else playing no. in the Champions League final that game. Okay, okay. My, my rule change is that my team starts with 100 nil. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rule change right there. Is there anything, I, I haven't thought about this, is there anything that you, is there any way you could get through a game, no. a Champions League final for Liverpool? No, you've on, on, on adrenaline, if you actually was in that situation, yeah, I reckon the majority of fans and like if you was fit enough, you'd probably get through it. In terms of how you'd perform, I, I, I couldn't really say it would be, you know, stellar or, or, or you know, A1, A1 material. It'll probably just be a run out and a jog for a lot of it. <laughs> I always give it a go. I always think I always think no way. But then I remember that Jermaine Pennant has played in the Champions League final for Liverpool, and then that gives me a bit of confidence that I probably could. Lost though, didn't he? He did lose. Yeah. The thing is, like, you know, when like people in the pub berate someone for that poor first touch, like you will get slated. Think about like your first touch. You think is it's decent, and then you play against professional footballers, and you realise your first touch is not decent. It's a pass to the opposition every single time. I've like, this. Yeah, that's for me. And like you you you've been through this, Chris, you know, and that wasn't even the Champions League final. It wasn't you, the Champions League final and I wasn't playing with pros. I was playing with ex pros and they still just ignored me for the rest of the game. <laughs> they they passed the ball to me once. Wow. Yeah. And that was it. I miscontrolled it. Yeah. What? What happened with that pass, Chris? It went to the other team. It went about seven yards away. I tried to control it. I miscontrolled it badly. It went about seven yards away straight to the other player. And then I got ignored for 15 minutes. And this isn't by professionals. This is by John Aldridge and, like, fucking Jan Mulby, who were 20 years out of the game, who just ignored me. So I I don't think the rule really matters to us. Because if if you're just getting ignored, because Liverpool would just play with 10 men. But that's what I think that's not the bad thing, though. If you stood in defence next to Virgil van Dijk, you're playing at Liverpool's pace. I can't see you having to exert that much energy with him as your your centre-back partner. I reckon he's going to do all the mopping up and every now and again he's going to say, Errol, stand there and don't move. And I'm just going to go, yes, boss. I just (laughs) wouldn't want to get in the way defensively. You know what I mean? I'd just stand really high and wide on the left. As a centre-half. No, not as a centre-half. As like a left-winger. or or, you know, Say we're playing two up top. I'd be the I'd be one of them, so we're really playing one up top. One up top, yeah. Well, I, we'd probably all be in that category, really, based on ability. That's where we do the least damage for the squad. That's what I'm thinking. Like, um, it yeah. is interesting, anyway. Um, listen, uh, we've got no sponsor this week, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Errol's podcast. Uh, Errol, where can they check out your new podcast, mate? Oh, nice one. Um, yeah, guys, we've got the group chat podcast. It's on Go Play Studios' YouTube channel. So if you do get a chance to go and watch it, it's about uh, covers a few Liverpool things. Not Liverpool Football Club, but Liverpool as a city. Culturally, we had a uh, camel fat on earlier in the year. We've had some comedians join us on the on the podcast. Uh, we've had some restaurant owners and stuff like that. We just kind of talk some stuff and you just hash it out and have some good vibes. It's a nice one for the plug. No problem. Oh, you did it yourself. Uh, we'll move into the topics then. Uh, this is it. This is the section where we each get to bring one topic of our choosing. Um, so we're going to start with Tom's because it's a little bit well, it's sporty and it's relevant. Um, um, and Tom, 
why don't you ask everybody what you want to talk about or tell everyone what you want to talk about? Well, I've been watching the the Last Dance, which is obviously on the on on the Bulls and Michael Jordan and all the players involved in that, and and it's kind of their journey, isn't it, of of their their success going from the start when all these players aren't there, Michael Jordan getting drafted in, and then I, I mean I haven't seen the end, so I don't know what the end is, but I'm I'm assuming the the hit greatness or whatever. But I wanna I wanna just ask you. Like, I'm not even asking, I just want to speak about how this Klopp either is going to have one of them, I believe, because it is a story. It, it's thinking about, I don't know when it starts, maybe it'd be the, 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 this, the end of Rogers, 1914, and then the building through of how like the, the captainship changed from, from um, Gerard to Henderson and stuff. But then it's the way that we've lost so many finals and we've built our way through, and then these massive games, the Man City games, and losing the title by one and then and then having all this coronavirus stuff now and then next season what's that going to be i can't wait to see this for liverpool because there's like i say the story's already there and it's only going to get better and i was just thinking who the focal point's going to be and would it be klopp himself and his tactics now he's changed everything could it be henderson is there a man that you think embodies this team it could even just be like mo salah and all that kind of thing i just think it's going to be a really interesting documentary, and whoever gets it, whoever gets the rights to it all, is gonna make some serious money. Uh, want to tackle that? Um, yeah, I've watched the whole the, the whole last dance. Uh, I finished it last night myself. I, I think it's a belter. Um, I remember watching the first couple of episodes and being on the podcast. I think I might have mentioned. I I thought there were similarities in the coach from the Bulls um, that got them the success. The the first half of it covers the first three uh, championships that they won back-to-back back in 91, 92, 93, and just some of the conversations, and it was about the group being together, and he, when this coach came in, effectively, what he did was, instead of um, the plays all being ran through Michael Jordan, he had like a three-point system where players would be positioned in these strategic places across the, the court to maximise how many points people could potentially get through a game. And it didn't matter who was in that system. It opened up, the, basically, no matter where you were standing, it opened up for the plays that you could basically go and make yourselves. Um, and with that, it was just all those little conversations about like the team togetherness. That season when that play was implemented, they went and got more points and they went and got more wins and stuff. And it's just... It's great to see like there are similarities between the way like Klopp's messages across to the players has resonated and the players are saying the same sort of things about like it is about team governance, it's about the unit, it's about bringing us all up and a gear and to the next level and stuff. And it, I think in terms of a focal point, potentially, I think Trent, in terms of what he could potentially mean Ooh. in stature, in terms of the sport in a couple of years' time and the city could potentially, especially being the... Um, what, what what is it? It's the it's the it's the beginning of his his career as well, almost as well in that sense. So I think that would be a gay focal point, especially from the Nike sponsor as well when that comes into play and, and all those things that could unfold. Because obviously Jordan got the the link with Nike, but him personally wanted to be with Adidas. So that legacy has been born out of the business with the Chicago Bulls and all the cultural things as well for me. You know, just being um, obviously like I, I, the time in America. Like sneakers and stuff like that. You yeah. say it wasn't really a big cultural thing. Michael Jordan came and made it that. I'm just looking excited to see all the little throw-offs of this Liverpool team and what little things are going to kind of bleed out into our communities, into society, into the way we do things, just based on the influences that these players and this team have given us. Um, so yeah, that's 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 kind of my overview of it all. Jack, have you been watching it, mate? 
Um, I haven't, uh, to be honest. It's on my watch list, um, to be honest, during lockdown. I haven't. There's been so much rubbish I've done, but I've not really been willing to sit there and watch something for some reason. I, I have no idea why, but um, I've, I've always been interested in basketball. And if I had to pick a team, it, w- it would always be the Bulls. I, I don't know why, um, but I, I've always liked them. And, and, you know, I got into it in like sort of year 11 sort of stages at school. And, and they would be the team that I watched when they had sort of like Derek Rose and all that then. Um, so... You know, I, I think it's it's interesting. It's definitely worth watching. Um, but but to go to Tom's um, Tom's question, I'd, I'd I'd say it's difficult. It's very difficult because there's so many players in this current team who it could be about. I think Errol's um, picked a good one there in Trent. But you know, it could be Sadio Mane because he was the first real signing in the club where it's created what we've got now. Um, it, it was the first real marquee signing that the clock made and at the time everyone was a bit like oh, 30 million for, for Sadio Mane what's that about and, and you look at the player he's become um, it could be about Jordan Henderson you know a, a lot of people don't mention I think he was very underrated in the 13-14 campaign um, and a lot of people obviously talk about the Gerard Slip being what cost us the title or, or Chris Dan Ball but actually I think Jordan Henderson getting sent off um, against um, Man City was a, a, a big part in, in that as well um, and you know I think how he's obviously come through he, he's under the Klopp in the Klopp era a lot of people have questioned his captaincy when Van Dyke came in a lot of some people thought he should be given the captain's armband but no one can argue he's turned it around and you know he might win PFA player of the year this season he lifted the Champions League at the end of last season he, he's going to lift the Premier League at the end of this season it's just been a, a remarkable few years um, for Jordan Henderson and I think it's, it's going to get better for, for the lad as well. Um, and as I say, the Sadio Mane, it could be on Mo Salah, it could be on Bobby Firmino and obviously how he is, the system that Klopp's built all this around at times. But it, it could be absolutely anyone. It could be Robertson, how he's rose through Virgil van Dijk getting in the top uh, three for the Ballon d'Or and you know he's, he's the best defender in the world right now and, and one of the best players in the world. So this so many players that you could focus this on so why not give them each an episode each yeah i must admit like i think i personally think there's probably only one person that this could be about at the moment and i think that's mo salah um i get i get what jack's saying don't get me wrong and you know i don't disagree but when you're trying to draw a comparison to michael jordan i don't think there's anybody close other than Mo Salah, I think mm-hmm. what what he has to go through for his religion and for everybody in you know in in Africa and Egypt and everything else and the way that he's adored like that, I don't see that there's anybody else like that. I think you know a lot of the players, Bobby Firmino, isn't really thought of like that in Brazil. Um, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold isn't there yet, um, and most of those players are real like known to be Liverpool players. So for me, if they, if they, if they're gonna make a documentary like the Jordan documentary, it has to be ha- about someone who's a cultural icon, and mm. then and in that case, it's Mo Salah. But what I, I where I agree with the lads is I wouldn't have it as a last dance. I'd have it as a, a America's game. If you've seen the Super Bowl champions one, they do year by year, where okay. they speak to three or four people from each season. So it might be. Jürgen Klopp, it might be Jordan Henderson, it might be Virgil van Dijk one season, and then if you win the Premier League again, hopefully if we win it the first time, then you've got next season, it's your Andy Robbo, your Tent Alexander-Arnold, maybe it's your Pep Linders or someone else with a really interesting story and do it sort of like that. But what I suspect will happen, Tom, 
is that none of this will get made because Klopp doesn't want it to get made. Yeah. And what we'll see is more like if anyone's read the book Belichick. Um, now, if you've read that book, Belichick had nothing to do with the book and it was written as an actual biography. And oh. they went back through and they spoke. They, they all went back and spoke to people who went to school with him, who went to who lived on the army bases that he lived on with his dad as he grew up, who, who worked for him in the past. And Belichick was ended up paying people to not be on the book. And yet there's always someone who will come up and say something. That's what I think will be written about this Liverpool side because yeah. Jaeger won't want it. I don't know where you sit on it all, mate. Well, I, I think it could just be Jürgen Klopp himself could be the focal point because it, it, there's so many players that are coming and going and, and towards the end, like, there might be, we might see another iteration of this Liverpool side that he's had to go through, you know what I mean? We just don't know where the story's going to end up. But I, it is funny because I'm watching it now and I'm thinking all these different people, like, they're getting filmed 24-7 and like we're just starting to get that with LFC TV and getting all these different camera angles and you know for a fact they have a whole bank of, of, of footage that they've never shown us that they're going to save for the right time. I can't wait for all that footage to come out. But yeah, I, I think it is going to be on, on, on Jürgen Klopp and then I do I do feel like it'll be Jordan Henderson for me just, just purely because... <sighs> It's the way that he's he's the captain's armband, like I speak about. He's kind of drove drove through all of the years, um, and he's become a better player because of that. And he's he's never been the best player, and I think that kind of that kind of adds to it a little bit because you're thinking, wow, this man's just kind of with his pure work ethic, and that's something that Michael Jordan had in spades. I've been watching. I didn't know too much about the Bulls and Michael Jordan at the time either before I started watching it two days ago. But yeah, I. I just can't. I just can't wait for the story of Liverpool to be told really in a video form. The reason I said sent was be just because of, of of the time and of it all more than anything else. Obviously, Jordan was in his prime, you know, winning rings and championships in '91. Now I know at least three of us, or at least two of us, were only here in '91, me included. So from that being said, it took us nearly 28 years to get this footage and to get this story told in the way it is. Personally, I think if you was to take, give it another 20 years, Trent could be of that type of stature where he does have the sponsorship deals. He does have that cult stature in, in, in terms of, you know, the city as well as as well as well wider base UK, worldwide potentially. Um, and I think as well, if he, if he gets the success that unfortunately Gerard was probably deprived of in a Liverpool shirt, I reckon he, he'll... He'll definitely have documentaries and similar stuff like that um, around him. No, Trent's got an absolute shout at it if he carries on, isn't it? And you know he puts a few Premier League trophies on the side. But what were you going to say then, Jack? Just, just a quick one, really. That for for me, the the reason I said all of them is is because I, I don't think you can make a documentary about Ian Clark without having the t- togetherness of this squad. And, and you know, yeah. it's not even just the squad; it's the staff as well. You could mm-hmm. do one about obviously Linders and the how. Buvac went. There was a big meltdown. How's everyone? How are, how are Liverpool going to cope without the brain? And then obviously we've got all this success afterwards. I think you can't um, talk about Klopp and and this this era at Liverpool without including everyone. Uh, and I think to focus on one certain individual would, would be wrong. And you know I think the thing is even if, if if you look at that Michael Jordan documentary, obviously it wasn't just Michael Jordan. And there were so many bits and, and pieces to to put into there, but. Michael Jordan always seems to be the the player that spoke about more more than anyone else. He seems to be that key man, and I don't think we have a player that's like that. I think we have so many 
players that, that make a, this great squad and this this great group of people that we have right now. That's why I think it'd be very difficult to, to focus on one person. No, I think listen. I think there's 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 elements of everybody's that you know. I think we can all take away. I think you know everybody's right in a sense, and there's no wrong answer here. Um, but let's move on then. Um, Jack, you in fact before we talk about project restart, which is my topic, um, Jack, you want to ask us all about our thoughts on the sort of ghost games and all that type of stuff, don't you? Yeah, I I saw your tweet the weekend, Chris, and and for me. You, you literally summed it up perfectly on on how the Bundesliga felt um, and and how it obviously it, it felt a bit like a preseason game, but when it's the Premier League, it's going to be like I really want this and, and it's better than having nothing. Um, obviously, we we know as Liverpool supporters how much of an effect us as, as supporters have on the squad at times. Some great um, moments and some great nights that have, have been created that include a, an incredible atmosphere. Um, but, but for for a long period of time, we're not going to have that. Probably until January, we're going to have games without fans. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are of it because on it. Sorry, because I, I've been a lot over the weekend and. There's obviously people that are desperate for football back in any capacity and will, will take these ghost games. But I've also seen the other side of it and people saying, actually, I'm not that interested while it's like this. Go on, Tom. Do you want to start on this one, mate? Yeah, I, I fall on the other side of it in terms of I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. And look, I fully understand the, the, the people who want football back. And, and it's great to have it back and seeing the skills and there were some fantastic goals this weekend. And it's nice to see that kind of thing again. But... For me, football's always been about the passion side of it, and and what like I don't really watch much football other than Liverpool too much because for me, I love to get invested in the footy. You just have all watched the game of footy with me, and you know that I like to shout at the screen, and that's me enjoying the football. When I whenever I go to the game or sit in a pub, I wanna I wanna be be involved, even though I'm not. I'm just shouting at a telly screen, but it, I think it's. It, I couldn't get that sense of anything when I was watching the Bundesliga and I did watch Bayer Leverkusen who I've picked to, to be my team and I did sort of get a bit more involved into it but I just didn't I just didn't care and I don't know whether that's just me being jaded maybe I'm completely wrong in all this and I understand that it's paving the way for Premier League football I get that and I'm really thankful that this is a starting uh, a starting point for it all to come back but I would apologize Tom if you fucking didn't like it you didn't like it yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just there's, things, it? there's a lot of people who are going to be like, well, it, it's the way it is. It has to be like that. And I fully understand that. I just I just don't care. I really don't care about it. I want football back. I want Liverpool back because they're the ones that made think... it exciting. Every, I'm watching Mo Salah and, and Sadio Mane running down the wings and the, the way that we play football and the way that we defend resolutely. The, there's something special about that to me. And it's not just because they're my team. We're the best team in the world. No one can compare to that. I don't like watching any of the football that isn't the best now because I've been spoiled with it for like two seasons. I don't know. It's fucking mad though. I think it's the fact that obviously you're not as interested as you are for Liverpool. So I think when when Liverpool are back, everyone's going to be like, yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. And obviously for, for German fans probably who watch Bundesliga week in, week out, they probably love this weekend. But for us, it, it wasn't quite the same. It, it had that pre-season sort of feel to it. 
Um, but it made, me, it made me really excited for, for Liverpool to come back now. And, and, you know, I think I'm not a fan of the ghost games. I'd much rather have the, the fans in the stadium, but it's better than the alternative of, of no football right now. I think that's it, mate. And, you know, I'll come to you next, Errol, on this. But for me, I'm like, just, it was just, it was just a bit soulless, a bit lifeless. And I'm, and I've seen people from both sides of the fence on Twitter over the weekend, and as what always happens, um, finger pointing goes on, it, and it's like, well, if you can't enjoy football, you don't really like football, and it, it's all that. It's like, yeah, but it's packaged up in a way that we're used to consuming. So I like, I watch football with no sound on quite often when I'm watching the, when I'm watching um, the Premier League at night when I'm putting the kids to bed, but I care. You know, I think it's just down to the Bundesliga for me, and I don't really care. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's but it's football, but it's also a league that I just don't really give a shit about anymore. You know, I've not watched Bundesliga in four or five years. I don't know any of the players. I've not really got the time to invest in my life to watching another league anyway, because I don't really have time to watch all of the Premier League games. It felt soulless. There was no weight to. Tom put it perfectly in our WhatsApp group. You know, we were talking about it, and he was like, "There's no." I said to them, "Like, this could be the Champions League final, and it doesn't feel. It wouldn't feel like a fucking Champions League final. It feels like a pre-season friendly because there's no crowds there." And Tom put it perfectly when he replied, "There's just no weight to anything. There's, you, you can't tell how important it is because there's no crowd there to tell you how important it is. You know, it's just lads kicking a football around, which is nice as a spectacle." But don't tell me that, like, just watching that with poor commentary against the fucking something else that I could be doing with me time, like, two hours on a Saturday afternoon, I can think of better things to do. <laughs> you know, I genuinely can think of better things to do. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And I, I, I don't feel like any side should apologise. We're all fucking Liverpool fans. We all love Liverpool football. Gun. We all love footy. We wouldn't be here talking about it now. And you've got people going, oh, well, you know, it's just crap because football without fans is not. And, and then you've got another side going, football's an art. And you, you can't appreciate the art of football. And it's like, wank yourselves off. Like, I like what I like. And I can't help it if I don't like it. You yeah. know what I mean? I just can't help that. 
you feel how you feel. Do you want me to fake it? Why would mm. I fake it? Like, you know what I mean? It's just mad. Please, Ed, will tell me someone enjoyed it. No. Well, do you know what? I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed Harlan's goal. I, I, I stuck around to watch that, and then I'm not going to lie, I went out for a, a walk down Crosby Beach. Um, but I did see Harlan's goal. I seen that celebration. He had that kind of cocky swagger about him, and there was all that social distancing going on. My thing is, I, I'm kind of, because we've got that, that Liverpool focus at the moment, objectively we're thinking, right, football returns for us means that within two games, we've then wrapped up the Premier League title. As fans now, as a fan base, we've got that thing that we've wanted and craved. Forget for the 30 years, let's just compartmentalise for this season. We've got it, this season's wrapped up now. There are another seven games. Do we then feel like Bundesliga fans all over again? Because all of a sudden, as Tom was saying, the games don't have any weight. They're seven games that for us practically now are pre-season games. So... Centurions, though. Say that again? Centurions. We want to be Centurions. We want to be Centurions, yeah. No, absolutely. You're right. No one's going to accept Liverpool drawing or losing games just because they come off the back of a pandemic. I I mean, the the, the FSG houses will go mad. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what I'm saying is in terms of just like having that extra level of feeling towards it, I don't know if for some people, casual fans maybe, once the league's wrapped up, that might be it then. For the rest of it, as you're saying, Tom, it doesn't have any weight and it feels a little bit soulless until the real fans are back within stadiums. Um, but from from my perspective, I think the fact that they, they've managed to get away back just shows the level of importance for the games. The leagues have taken it very serious to come back as at the earliest convenience, really. Um, so hopefully when the Prem games are playing and you know, you're watching Liverpool play... Uh, we still got to play. We still got to play City, haven't we? We still got to play City. We still got to play Everton. Watching those games, I don't care where you are in the world. I've watched games around the world sometimes, and you're not in live with the, you know, um, with your home fans or anything like that. But you still feel that same buzz. Um, so I, I just hope that they come back sooner rather than later. Personally, do you think? Obviously, we're going to be in for a. It looks like a long call, and we'll, we'll roll this into my topic, which is Project Restart. Mm. You know, the BBC have done a piece today, and you know they're saying like they're probably planning for six to twelve months of behind closed doors footy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I know we've had loads of time now. We've had two months, haven't we, to kind of get ourselves into that mindset? But I mean, now that it's like looks like it's starting to come back, the thought of actually not being in the stand for twelve months is horrendous, isn't it? Yeah. I don't. I don't think I've got to that point where I, I kind of realise that. No, and and it's not even just that. It's it's the act of going to the pub as well. You've lost all that. You've lost. You've lost all the. I'll just go around to my mates and watch the game. Then instead, there's going to be none of that. Um. Well, not not at the moment anyway. Maybe when it comes back, because they're talking about 12th of June coming back. That's not happening. Um. Uh, maybe when maybe by the time it comes back it'll all be a bit relaxed and you can start doing the the, the the 30 people bubble or whatever and you can have that with your with your family and friends where you can go and uh, and watch the footy with them that's what we need back we need that kind of shared experience thing I've, I mean everyone's done it once in their life where they've watched a big Liverpool game by themselves and yes you can you you, you enjoy it because it's Liverpool and you get passionate about it but it's not the same it's not the same as being like did you see that and being able to talk to someone and that's why a load of people are on social media and Twitter and are watching this and watch Redmen all the time because they want that and they want that discussion in the comments and, and stuff like that uh, That that's going to be the thing that's missing for me and yeah, it, it it is going to be mad. I mean, I don't think necessarily it's going to be missing. I think it's going to be um, disjointed because I think people will still access those little pockets, as you say, the mainstay in terms of what Chris saying, the stands. 
all right, that's off limits for potentially 12 months. But those other little bubbles with social media, certain, you know, certain outlets might just have to up the game in how they interact with fan bases, which I'd be quite excited to see, really, just see how much more interactive football can become. So the product is better when fans are able to go back into the grounds as well. I think that should be the way that they should be focusing on it. How can we make the overall fan experience better? doesn't matter where you're experiencing the game from. With the end goal being the live fans, how can they now reappreciate the game? It might be things like safe standing as well, Chris, when you do reintroduce it, like have those things locked off so it can be implemented across the Premier League. There's so much scope that they could do with this. I just hope that they're not short-sighted or, or it, you know, and just kind of trying to tick boxes. Well, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, one of the things that I thought had become popular because it became popular in basketball, actually, um, a few years ago, is these, like, VR seats, almost. And, you know, you'd be able to buy a ringside seat um, virtually um, for, like, 50 quid or 20 quid or whatever the price was and you get your floor seats but you'd be on a computer now what's to say you can't get one in the cop one in the main stands and one in this because it's just setting up four cameras and setting a stream up you know what i mean that might be something that people look to do to try and give you that sort of at least stadium feel because you know when you has anyone done the tour in the cop in the in the in anfield and you go up and you get that virtual crowd yeah. has anyone done that tom have yeah. you done that or jack yeah maybe they could incorporate something like that you know what i mean where you know you feel like you're in part of a crowd watching the game maybe that's what you do for season ticket holders the telly crowd probably stays the same or maybe you could sell some more virtual season tickets that way i don't know but they, i i'm with errol i hope they do think of something a little bit outside the box it might not work and you know it's might... trial and edit isn't it chris yeah it's trial and edit like yeah, it is. It is isn't it? The thing is, as well, it's it's gonna make us appreciate it even more when when football does come back. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we've seen a European night at Anfield before all this. Can you imagine the first one back with fans? It's it's gonna be unbelievable. And and you know, I think when everyone is finally allowed back in stadiums, they're they're gonna be balancing more than ever before. Um, you know, I think it's gonna be a, incredible once once it's it's back allowed again. But for now, I think we just have to learn to love the game as it is now and that's the thing we we all love football we've said we all love football how it is and we've all been obviously saying for years that football without fans is nothing and as we've seen from the weekend it isn't the same and hopefully um clubs and leagues and and everyone involved in football now understands what we've been what people have been saying for years and 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 the fact that football isn't the same without supporters there and and hopefully as Errol says it, it does change for the better when this is all gone but for the time being I think we do need to fall in, in love with this current football and as as we say, um need to need to wait and see what, what happens and, and what changes they bring in to try and try and make it more more like it is is as we know. Um but I think it will be interesting because I think for a while football's needed to adapt to, to the times a bit and, and has needed a bit of a change and, and they can't stop the change now. The change will have to come. What makes you say um, that, Jack? Why do you think it needed to to change? Um because I, I just, just wanted to go just, back and be the same. <laughs> That's all I want. Like, it's quite an interesting I, viewpoint. I think for a while. Um, so looking at this as a new, I, th- I think from a, a, a Liverpool perspective, it's it's very easy to say that obviously we want back what what was before. I think we were in the best place we've been in for for a long time. Um, but I think football as a whole, in terms of the money, uh, looking at teams like Manchester City, looking at like what what Newcastle are just about to go through, looking at um, obviously clubs in the FL and how they're left behind, how we lost Berry this year and, and stuff like that. 
I just think things need to change. And then there's looking at it now. I've seen stuff happen in, in the football league over the last few days where where a lot of teams are getting in difficult situations. Obviously, League Two has now had to cancel the season because there there is there isn't as much money as there is there in the Premier League, mm-hmm. um, and and they need they need more support from things like the EFL. And I see a lot of grassroots football. I'm a referee, so I, I see a lot of grassroots football, and that game isn't the same. There's a, there's a big bridge between um, different leagues, and you know I, I think it's very it's very interesting because I think. It needs to be a bit more united. Football needs to be a bit, a bit more together. And, and you mean the you pyramid know. needs to stop looking. At the, you know, the people at the top need to stop looking yeah. after themselves and start looking after yeah. grassroots. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like um, uh, you brought me on to an interesting question from one of our Redmond TV subscribers, uh, Russell Waring. He actually texted me this, and I forgot all about it and see you to talking. Um, I thought this was brilliant, so I'll just add this in there now. Uh, and he texted me and said, "Have you seen anything regarding FFP and the impact it had on keeping clubs afloat during COVID?" I've not seen anything, but I feel like FFP, if FFP wasn't in place, there could already have been a few clubs going to the wall. FFP might have given some clubs a bit of time to ride this out. However, it might be too early to tell. What do you reckon? I don't but, see anyone talking about that. No, you're right. It's, it's difficult. I, I think at this point, nobody knows. And this is the thing. And obviously, people that watch Redmen Academy will know that Liam, who, who does the cameras for us, is, is a big Doncaster fan um, in League One. And I've been talking to him about it a lot, and I'm, I'm like, well, surely you'll get support off the leagues and and stuff like that. And he's like, no, you won't get any support. You'll watch clubs going bust and and things like clubs replacing managers with with players maybe to to support to support that. Um, but they 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 won't do anything about it until they start losing money off off TV revenue maybe. And you know, I think I think it's going to be very interesting to see because one thing that I always relate to at the minute is Bournemouth now. Bournemouth are, are a small Premier League club right now. They, they don't. I know, obviously, they, they seem to spend a lot of money on transfers and, and stuff like that, but they're relatively small and, and they're in a relegation battle right now. Uh, if they go down, that will have massive financial effects on that club and that partnered with everything going on at the minute, that's enough to probably sink Bournemouth right now. Uh, and, and, you know, I think, I think they, they're Could probably they, not... They club in this went, they could have went down, no idea of not secured the 40-odd points in the end of the 38 games, though. I don't think it's like totally, again, to say, oh, just because of COVID and if you was to write them off, then they could go down. No, I, I, there was I always mean, the potential to go down. That's why he was in the league in the first place. I mean more with the financial difficulties as well, partnered with what's going on at the minute. So because obviously they'll probably be struggling financially right now, that partnered with them going down if, if they do go down. Which oh, that'd, yeah, that'd be a double whammy. It would yeah. be a double whammy. Everyone's that. in that situation, though, aren't they? I mean, it's, it's more than just football clubs in that situation. The COVID, they're going to send them to the wall. I mean, employment, unemployment's up by 50,000 after one week. It was up by 50,000 in the UK after one week of lockdown. You know what I mean? And, you know, the, the economy's crashed. Like, football clubs are going to go to the wall just like every other business, unfortunately. And, and that's down to the way that it's been ran over the years more than anything. You know, the way that the player contracts can't be furloughed because of the way that they've been written, obviously, you know, and the government shouldn't be paying fucking £400,000 or whatever. They get 2500 In fact, wouldn't they each football player, like, if they were able to be furloughed? So maybe that would have been a better option. Football does have to change, you're right, in that regard. Like, but, you know, it's not just for Premier League clubs. Like, the FFP question, as we come back to it, that doesn't even affect the likes of Doncaster. You know, the FFP is a Premier League model, isn't it? And whether the EFL have got their own, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, I, you know, as far as Bournemouth are concerned, 
yeah, that's a fucking double whammy and that's our loss. Just like it's our loss to every lad up and down the country who's lost a business or a job because of it, like. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and and that's that's the thing for me. It's 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 more the fact that, and this isn't football. This is this is everything as a whole. But when people are very quick to obviously say like football shouldn't come back, and you've got the null and void of saying that, you've got to remember that these football clubs are, are still businesses at, at the end of the day, and that's why people are so so desperate for them to come back because there is so much money involved, and it, it is a massive part of the economy with all, all the money involved in it and stuff. Um, but that's that's going back to what I was saying before that actually we're losing the game as we knew it. That, you know there was so much money pumped into it, uh, and and maybe this will see you know things change, and, and maybe there'll be a maximum amount of money people can earn now. Maybe we'll see a whole restart of, of football and and the lower transfer values of players because players clubs can no longer afford you know like your two hundred millions on on Neymar or whatever it was in the end, and however much United spent on Pog and Maguire and stuff we probably won't see that for a long time after this and I don't think that'll be a bad thing at all yeah, no, I, I, was, I was thinking like the German model could be interesting where look if if teams are really struggling does he just go right do it does anyone want to buy in ownership of this you know what I mean like would you be willing to spend 500 quid for a share in Liverpool like yeah. wouldn't even, maybe not even a full share but you know what I mean like I'll maybe that could be a thing where they just be like Let's get some extra dough in here. And I think a lot of people, I mean, they'd have to come with extra things, like you go higher up on, on a ticketing list or something like that. But I think that could be a really interesting model to go down. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, as much as this is a really dire time for a lot of clubs, I think Jack's right. This could be a, this could be a place where a lot of good comes out of this, um, a lot of changes that, that need to be implement, implemented. And it's just kind of getting the hands forced and going, well, you're going to have to do this, otherwise these clubs are going bust. These are going bust. We need to grow football from the bottom again. It could be really beneficial in, in like five years. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get on to Edels before we go into uh, our viewer our last viewer question of the day. And then before we go into our subscriber Q&A, get over to theredmantv.com to check that one out where we'll answer loads more of your questions. Uh, Errol wanted to know what's the best front three in the Prem era. Now, that's a fucking tough one, Errol. No, do you know what it was? It was because I seen Give Me Sport. It was on my timeline the other day. Give Me Sport comes up and says, we've ranked the, you know, the best front threes of the Premier. I'm saying, okay, no brainer. What well, I know what number one, two and three are going to be. And one and two threw me. So I was a little bit pissed off with the with the final results on their website. So I just wanted to throw it to you guys to just see what you were what was the number? What was the number one? Was it Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe? Was it fucking no? <laughs> 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 it was um, it was Tevez, Rooney, and Ronaldo. Ronaldo, yeah. Go on, Chris. Sorry, I remember that as being like the first kind of front three, front three. around that time. You know what I mean? Because obviously before then it was like all four four twos and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, what do you reckon it is, Tom? Go on. Well, I I didn't know what the question was, so I had a few like front threes, and then I picked. My best from three of just three random players, but that that United one came into my head. They had Nani as well, uh, uh, kind of assisting them. There was obviously Arsenal Invincibles, which was a four as well. It was Perez, Henri, and Bergkamp with Jumberg on the on the other side. But I I feel like you can throw Mane, Firmino, Salah in there as as one of the best from threes you'll ever see. Coutinho even in there before uh, before he left was unstoppable. Um, that from four I guess we had at the time. Um, there's a lot of fantastic ones in terms of my all time and I know this is kind of weird but I picked 
Aguero, Henri and Ronaldo as my best front three ever. And I, I, I figure I don't need to explain Henri and Ronaldo. I just don't need to explain them. The Aguero one, maybe, but I had a look. He's got he scores, 0.69 goals per game in the Premier League in 261 games, 34 of them were sub-appearances. He is one of the best strikers in Premier League history. Done it for done it over so many years, so many important goals. I like I feel like he's gonna kinda get a little bit forgotten about, but he's up there with like their front three is unreal as well, if you think about what that was on the list to be fair. Sane, um Sane, Sterling and Aguero was on the list. I think they came in at like five or six. That's unreal that that front three. There's been so many over the years. But yeah, it, it, it's so hard because it it, it depends like what year of football, sort of. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit wrong in that because Ren- Rooney, Ronaldo, and and Tevez could beat anyone. What was the um? What was the the top three front threes? I know. Uh, give me two seconds. I've still got it here on my phone. I should have. It was um the the top three. Oh, don't tell me it's gone now. So the, the number one was the man you uh the man you guys that I said Rooney, Ronaldo, and Tevez. Um, the second one we was number two. With Firmino, um, Mane, and Salah, and then I, I can't remember who came in at number three. But we also had oh yeah, number one was Carlos Tevez, Wayne Rooney. There's the other two. It doesn't say on that no more. Um, but yeah, we also had um, Suarez, Sturridge, and Sterling. I think that oh, came yeah, in that was a good five or six. Three, was that, it? Was, yeah. that was my personal favourite from three as well. To be fair, but was what, it all then, Jack? Okay, so number five was Iron Robin, Damien Duff and Didier Drogba. I did like that one, you know. That was a good front three, that. Raheem Sterling, Leroy Sané and Sergio Aguero were number four. It was, as what Tom said before, Robert Perez, uh, Dennis Bergkamp and Thierry Henry. They was, came in at number three. And then it was our boys at number two. And then it was them up the M62 in number one. Yeah, what do you reckon then, Jack? Who would you go for, mate? It's interesting because I, I initially read the, the question like Tom did and, and it being obviously best from three for, from any team. But, you know, I think obviously as, as a 20-year-old, it's, it's very easy for me to look at this current Liverpool side and say you don't get much better than that. Um, I think the SAS was very good as well, um, obviously in 13-14. I think the City one deserves a mention with Sane, Sterling and, and Aguero. I think that was incredible. And, and right now, before we break their Centurion record, which we're going to do, um, obviously that's the front three that's got the most points in, in Premier League history and they, they deserve a, a, a massive... Obviously, Didn't they score over 100 goals? Though, yeah, in, in they did. Yeah, yeah, so they're up there. Um, but for me, uh, my favourite player in, in the Premier League of all time, non-Liverpool, is, is Thierry Henry. And, and, you know, I think that Arsenal yeah. side, uh, the, the invincible side where you got Henry, Bergkamp and, and Pires. And I know it's not a, a traditional front three, um, but there were three players that just, just blew everyone away. And I, I think it's so, so difficult to do that invincible thing. And I know they drew a lot of games, but it is very, very difficult to do. Uh, and, and I just think purely due to Henri being in there then there you go but I also think I, I, I did the front three as it, as it was as I said and I had exactly the same as Tom where it was Henri, Aguero and um, Ronaldo because as I, say, I think Ronaldo in the Premier League we didn't see the best Ronaldo but we've seen what he's turned into now and you know he's, he's one of the best players in the world yeah, he is, isn't he? so uh, alright then well I think 
you know, I, I think it's a toss-up between the Liverpool and the Manchester United one, although I think if you follow, uh, was it Beasley on Twitter? He gives you the reasons why Liverpool's front three was better, I think, um, by every metric. Um, so finally, uh, nice and short on this one, gents. Um, Shriji Srinivasan, apologies. I know you are a subscriber to the Redmen as well. Uh, which moment in your football-watching life did you celebrate the most in or that stood out for you. The ones that do it for me was the later Riga winner versus Everton, Mane's Champions League final against Madrid, and the two minutes between Murray and Aguero goals uh, on the final day last year when I thought we might win the league. Uh, Tom, which goal? One goal did you celebrate the most more than I'm any other? Gonna, I can't give you one, so I'm going to give you three. Riga versus Everton. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Riga versus Everton, I laughed for about five minutes you were there with me it's yeah. on a video that we did laugh for literally five minutes um i'm gonna say the champions league final obviously because i hugged everyone out the door at a pub that i was in it was unbelievable and then obviously i i think it's got to be the salad the uh, the salad chip this uh, man city in the champions league um when we beat them 2-1 obviously there's a video on me inside uh, gone mental on that, but it was the, just the utter relief and knowing that we were going to probably get to the Champions League final again and knowing that they were our biggest rivals there just pipped it for me. That was that was such a good goal. Okay, Errol? Degsy. Degsy yeah, Dortmund. Dortmund, man. Yeah, man. Shout out Dejan. At that point, I was ready to just, just accept that was an amazing game of footy. Both teams gave it their all. Both teams left it all on the pitch. And then Degsy steps up like that. It was just unbelievable. Um, and if not, then it would be the final last year as well, Origi's goal. I think because once at that point, it was like 80 minutes of just sweating and sweating. By the time he scored, I kind of just knew it was done. And a whole season was just, whew. Yeah, that was a nice moment as well. Jack? Yeah, the Origi one for Everton, for me, everyone says they celebrated it loads. I was just in utter shock. I, I stood there like, couldn't believe it for, for ages. Honestly, I'd watched, I'd stayed up for the Tyson Fury night the night before. I was knackered. It was a shit game of football. I was getting ready to walk out the pub and then that happened. And I was like, oh my, what what has happened there? So, you know, it was a bit bizarre. But, you know, for, for, the, for the best moments, I have to say that the Barcelona game incredible and the whole the whole lead up to Kiev um, was phenomenal for me I think obviously you had the Man City games which were incredible and then the one at Anfield the atmosphere was was superb you have the Roma games which was mad and I think also the fact that when we got to Kiev it was like our first Champions League final in a long time we've been miles off for years uh, and you know it was it was that that moment sinking in that you know Liverpool Football Club are destined for greatness again and, and you know we, I hadn't had that feeling since I was a very little kid we had it in 13-14 but it was rudely snatched away from us um, but I had it again in Kiev and, and it, it felt very good and obviously we know what happened there the story writes itself but then we had the amazing run-up to, to the season when we won it as well so there's so many and, and this is the brilliant thing there's so many being a Liverpool supporter it's hard to say just one Coutinho yeah. against Man City as well. That was the other one I fought earlier today. That was a yeah, celebrating that one. Yeah. Mine are mostly home goals. Um, just because if you're in the cop and stuff, I think the Origi one, yeah, I think everybody's spoken about that. Degsy definitely has already been spoken about. Um, I think randomly, it's like it's not even a goal, but it was Shevchenko missing the penalty. 
yeah. in Istanbul, I've celebrated probably harder than anything else because I probably I ended up on top of a statue after that game and all kinds of stuff in in Concert Square. Um, so that definitely celebrated that one pretty hard. Um, yeah, Salah so that, against Chelsea as well. It's what Salah against Chelsea as well. Yeah, there's loads, mate, isn't there? You know, there's, there's absolutely tons. Like, I mean, so, some of the ones, you know, the Barcelona game that you mentioned, there's just Stevie G in the FA Cup as well. Like, I went nuts for that one when I was a kid. Even the, the whole of the 4-3 against Man City, that atmosphere yeah. was electric. That whole 90 minutes, forget about the goal. Ox's first goal. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Bobby Firmino, was, was Bobby Firmino scored the second in the away game in the Champions League? Yeah, when he yeah, sat yeah. out of Mendy down. I mean, that was just pure sessionary. There's so many. Anyway, listen, that is the end of the podcast. Like the video, do that now, it does help us out. And while there's no football, we need as much help as possible. Don't forget to check out Errol on the uh, on his new podcast as well. And of course, Jack, where can they watch you, mate? Redman Academy. Lots of stuff at the minute on, on the Bundesliga youngsters and stuff. We're going to keep you up to date with all that. Boss, thank you very much. See you next time. Ta-ra.